Good morning. It's me again. Today is New Year's Eve, and 2023 is just about to close. Uh, my name is Lane. I'm one of the lay preachers here at College Drive. Uh, I don't preach very often, but uh, you've probably seen me up here playing guitar or drums every now and then. Christmas is over, and as we begin a new year, our church calendar will start a trajectory towards Easter. These two events, Christmas and Easter, mark the two most significant observances for Christians. Today I'm going to tackle the question, what is God like? The passage we will be focusing on is John chapter 1, verses 1 to 18. The reason that I want to focus on this question is to look at the Christmas and to look at Christmas and Easter from a slightly different angle. In a broad general sense, Christmas has come to mean a time of giving and receiving gifts and spending time with family. Um, and that's, those are wonderful things. But for Christians, it holds much more significance as it marks the beginning of Jesus entering the world. The next major event for Christians is Easter, in which we remember Christ's crucifixion and resurrection. We observe these events because they remind us of what God has done. But after reading this passage, it becomes more apparent that these events aren't just about what God has done, but the fact that in Christ we come to a full realization of who God truly is. So if you have a Bible or your phones, you feel free to join, uh, join in reading John 1, 1 to 18 with me. In the beginning, there was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were made by him, and nothing was made without him. In him there was life, and that life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overpowered it. There was a man named John who was sent by God. He came to tell people the truth about the light, so that through him all people could hear about the light and believe. John was not the light, but he came to tell people the truth about the light. The true light that gives light to all was coming into the world. The word was in the world, and the world was made by him. But the world did not know him. He came to the world that was his own, but his own people did not accept him. But to all who did accept him and believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God. They did not become his children in any human way, by any human parents or human desire. They were born of God. The word became human and lived among us. We saw his glory, the glory that belongs to the only son of the father. And he was full of grace and truth. John tells the truth about him and he cries out saying, this is the one who I told you about. The one who comes after me is greater than I am because he was living before me. Because he was full of grace and truth, and from him we, we all received one gift after another. The law was given through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the only Son, is very close to the Father, and he has shown us what God is like. Let's start off with a story. <clears throat> In my teenage years, I, uh, I started getting into lifting weights and exercising because, like most teenage boys, I wanted to get shredded. Now, most people are familiar with traditional weights, such as dumbbells, you know, those little things that you use. Um, another way you can create resistance is with the use of exercise bands. 
Most of the time I would just work out in my room, do push-ups, lift dumbbells. However, I had seen a video showing how you can mimic doing a pull-up movement using a band attached to something above you. My room had a hook attached to the ceiling that had always been there since we moved in. Now, I, I, really ne I, I never really gave it much thought until I, I saw it and I thought, hey, I, could, I can use that to hook my band around and perform this exercise. However, my desire to craft the physique of a Greek god or a modern superhero overshadowed the fact that my prefrontal cortex as a 16-year-old had not fully developed to the point where I did not possess the foresight to discern whether this was a good idea. You might be starting to see where this is going. I proceeded to attach my band to the hook and began getting ripped. What I failed to do was check the integrity of the hook and see whether it was securely attached to anything solid. So here's the picture I can paint for you. I've, atta I've attached a giant rubber band to a metal hook, which I'm now applying tension to. In my quest to build muscle, I had built something else. I built a weapon. <laughs> you know what that weapon is called? It's a slingshot. <laughs> Aimed directly at the back of my head. And with all the might and fury that the laws of physics demand should happen in such scenarios, the hook came loose. The exercise band became a slingshot, and the hook became the ammo, and I shot myself in the back of the head. I observed that I was bleeding from the back of my head. Back of my head. I started panicking and screaming. My sister came to see what was happening, and likewise also matched my urgency. Now, this is all long-winded long -winded way to say that my father was downstairs on the computer, and as we were yelling that I needed to go to the hospital, I don't think he quite realized what was happening. He didn't quite realize my urgency. What I heard him say in response was, I'll be right there. But he didn't come immediately. So we yelled at him again. He's like, yeah, I'm coming. I'm logging off. Um, yeah, he replied with no sense of seriousness. When he finally did come up, he realized that he's like, ah, I should probably get him to the hospital a little quicker. I received some stitches. Otherwise, I was all right. The only thing that I lost that day was probably some brain cells and a large chunk of ego. Now, if you didn't know anything about my father and I only told you that story, you might be tempted to think, boy, your dad didn't seem uh, very concerned about you there. And yes, I would say that he probably miscalculated the situation at first. But I know full well that my father loved all of his children with all of his heart right up until the day that he passed away. What I have done here is given you an insight into what my dad was like. I have simply revealed something to you that was previously unknown to you. But I haven't given you the full picture. I could give you many other stories that would represent who my father is. When it comes to representing who God is, what is made clear by this passage is that only one person has been able to do it fully and properly. Some of the most important questions humans have tried to answer are, where did we come from? Why are we here? What is the purpose of life? And one of the biggest and most prominent, does God exist? This is the most asked and highly debated question in our post-enlightenment modern era. 
theologians and philosophers also seek to answer, if God exists, what is the nature of God, and what attributes does he have? This prologue to John's gospel gave a new insight into the overall picture of who God is. The IVP New Testament commentary states that the first five verses of John chapter 1 echo the beginning of the book of Genesis. Likewise, the Faith Life Study Bible also states that John chapter 1, 1 to 5, interprets Genesis chapter 1, 1 to 5, read through the lens of Proverbs 8, 22 to 31. This proverb gives a personified glimpse of God's wisdom. In John's opening chapter, we essentially have a new beginning, a new Adam, or a new Adam, which means humanity. This is Genesis 2.0. There are many depictions of what God or the gods slash divine are like that have been drawn up by humanity. Even Israel itself had its own depictions of what God is like. What we as Christians must remember is that these depictions, both that of Israel and their pagan counterparts, are incomplete revelations of who God is. That isn't to say that they got everything wrong. But what is clear is that they did not have the full picture. Now you might be thinking, I can understand the pagan nations not getting it right, but Israel? Yes, Israel did not always get it right regarding who God is, or what he desired. In fact, it is because Israel was chosen that they are time and time again held most responsible for not properly bearing the image of God. We see this repeatedly through Israel's history, and God continually sends prophets telling Israel to turn back from their wicked ways. You see, in many ways, Israel resembled their neighbors by either acting like them or adopting their ways of violence. Israel wanted a king, just like the other nations, something for which God did not want them to do. What followed was utter failure, beginning with Saul and co continuing through David and the many kings who ascended the throne after him. Eventually, Israel was defeated and led into exile. Israel was subjected to multiple forms of oppressive rule under different imperial regimes for many years. What they sought was freedom from that, oppression that they, from that oppression as they awaited the day that Yahweh would deliver them. But then we have Jesus enter the picture. And be, he begins saying really radical things. If we look at this time in Jewish history, radicalism was at an all-time high as many Jewish insurgencies and revolts sought to free Israel from the oppressive empire of Rome. But the true king had now come to overthrow the beast of that wicked empire. And he came with fire, vengeance, and a sword in his hand as he led the armies of Israel to bloody victory. At least that is what many expected and wanted him to do. Many wanted a warlord to lead them. After all, God had led them to victory in battle before, right? The only reason we lost is because we displeased God somehow, right? And yet, we see Jesus turn the structure of the world on its head. 
He came proclaiming that in God's kingdom, if you want power, then you must relinquish power. If you want vengeance, adorn your enemies with love and kindness and pray for them. If you want peace, then fight back by not fighting back. This was contrary to what was expected of the long-awaited Davidic king. In verse 18 of John's prologue, he makes a daring statement. No one has ever seen God. Uh-oh. What does he mean? No one has ever seen God. What about Adam, Eve, Abraham, Moses, Joshua, Elijah, and even Isaiah, and many more? It says, plain as day, when you read your Old Testament, that all of these people had encounters with God. So what on earth is John saying here? Is he saying that all of them are wrong? If I wanted to play skeptic, I'd say we have a genuine contradiction here. And guess what? I believe that is precisely what it is, by design. It isn't that all these people didn't have encounters with God. They did. Rather, the point is that none of them had an encounter with the fullness of God, like what we see in Christ. The Gospel of John was written roughly 60 to 70 years after the events of the Gospels. John has had time to think and process through everything he had experienced in his time with Jesus. John realized that Jesus reveals who God truly is. John finishes by saying, but God, the only Son, is very close to the Father, and he has shown us what God is like. Jesus shows us who God is and what he is like throughout his life. Jesus shows us that God loves us and has always loved us. We always hear the phrase, Jesus loves me, and of course, we talk about the love of God. But when we talk about God the Father, it seems like that can get tricky because sometimes he looks rather wrathful in many instances. Now this can bring up questions regarding pain, suffering, evil, death, and hell. And I don't have time to discuss those issues here. Um, if you're interested in talking more about that, please come find me after the service. Um, the focus right now, though, is to get our theology straight as it pertains to what God is like. The reason we celebrate Christmas and Easter is because they are rituals for us in the Christian religion. The observance of these rituals should invoke in your mind not only Jesus' birth and then his death on the cross, but also the entirety of his life, resurrection and victorious ascension, whereby he is Lord of all. Accepting Jesus as your Savior didn't change God from hating you to loving you. God loved us before we knew him just as much as he loves us after we choose to follow him. John 3.16 does not read, for God hated the world so much that he had to pour out his wrath on someone. Thankfully, Jesus stepped up to the plate to take that punishment. No, it reads, for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. 
God would have needed to love us before he gave us Jesus to make that decision. The cross reveals how far the love of God extends even after we as humanity are exposed to pure innocence. What does humanity do with him? We beat him, flog him, insult him, dehumanize him, starve him, subject him to immense pain. Heat, dehydration, and then ultimately death. And even after all of that, hanging there, he still looks out at you. He looks out at us. And he says, you're worth it. You're all worth it. As we enter this new year, I want to encourage you to begin by simply resting in the knowledge that you are deeply loved by the God of all reality. And then take the time to reflect and ask God how you can apply the same compassion and love to those around you. Not just to those you love, but even to those you would consider enemies. That same light and life Jesus extended to us is now ours to bear and carry into this world. And Christ's church participates with him in showing the world what God is like. Lord Jesus Christ, Son of God, have mercy on us. Father, give us eyes to see and open our hearts to realize how deep your love is for your children. We ask that in these times where there is so much division, you grant us the ability to show love and compassion to those who may oppose us. If anyone seeks to renew their hearts and mind, I ask that you begin that work in them this moment. If anyone is in pain, sick, or lonely, I ask that your presence would be felt by them and that you bring healing. We ask this in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. I'll invite the worship team to come up.